Let us go to God in prayer. Holy wisdom, you are the pillar of fire that leads us into each new moment of our lives. By the power of your Spirit, settle now into our hearts and illumine your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Poor eyesight or a really low podium, as, as you do here. All right, let me find, we are at there. And so Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 11, one, verses 1 through 9. Please turn in your Bible with me. One of the things I've noticed is that God knew you would have a height-challenged pastor um, because of the podium that was built many years ago. <laughs> you can never hire someone uh, and expect them to stay around that's over six foot tall. <laughs> All right. The Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. As they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain and in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and brickmen for mortar. They had said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make the name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have one language, and this will it will only and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad. From there over the face of all the earth. And they left, the, left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The next one is Genesis, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, which I was just reading to the children. But I will read it again. And verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and the tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation, under the heaven living in Jerusalem, and at, at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native language. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language, native language? Corinthians and Medes, Elmolites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Capacodia, Pontus and Asia, Pelagria and Polythria, Egypt 
and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, God uh, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show uh, portents of the heaven above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon, shall, uh, the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May God bless the reading of his word. And I would just like for the record to say, if you check out the previous verse where it says, your young men shall see visions, I hope that's where I'm still at. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our salvation. May your spirit move upon us today that we may hear what you have to say to each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I worked at a summer camp for three summers when I was in college. I was one of around 30 to 40 young adults, most in their early 20s, who served on staff there. We didn't get much time off. We would get uh, a couple of hours off twice a week, and we would get Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning off. Other than that, we were expected to be working with the kids pretty much 24 hours a day in some capacity or another. Um, we were generally there for about two weeks at a time. And during those two weeks, we were quickly enveloped in what we would call the camp bubble. We didn't have access to the nightly news or newspapers, not that 20-year-olds read those things anyway. Uh, very few people brought laptops or computers, and this was before everybody had internet on their phones. 
We had very little exposure to what was going on in the outside world. Our entire world, for those two weeks at a time, consisted of the camp, of the kids, of our fellow staff, and of the very small town that surrounded the camp. We lived in a bubble, one partly of our own making as a result of the context we lived in, and returning home was always an adventure of learning about what I had missed. We always joked that the world could end while we were at camp, and we would have no idea. But we all have our own bubbles. They aren't generally as opaque as the camp bubble. But we all have our own bubbles. They, they color the way we see the world. They insulate us from other perspectives. They keep us comfortable. In today's world, it's easier to exist within a bubble than at any point in the last century. You can go an entire day without encountering or at the very least seriously considering an opinion that is very different from your own. We can wake up and turn on your favorite news channel, your favorite 24-hour news network. You can check your favorite news website, which already agrees with what you think. You can go out to coffee with your friends who already see the world the same way that you do. The music we listen to, the TV shows and movies we like, the books and magazines we read, and the websites that we visit all contribute to making our own bubbles. We all have our own bubbles. To some degree, it's natural. It's comfortable to associate with people who are like us, who think like us, who worship like us. It's comfortable to be in a safe space where you don't have to worry about being contradicted, where you can share an opinion without being argued with. It's comfortable to reside in our bubbles where people think, look, and act like us. The world of the ancient Near East is, in this way, not all that different from us. They largely kept within their national linguistic class and ethnic bubbles. Transportation was not as easy then as it is today. Many peasants very rarely, if ever, traveled more than 10 miles from their place of birth. They lived in very natural bubbles. Perhaps the only place your average person in, person in ancient Roman-occupied Israel would encounter who exists outside of their bubble would be the market in a city like Jerusalem. This morning's reading from the book of Acts finds the apostles in such a place. Maybe... Maybe not a market, it doesn't say exactly market, I've always assumed it was a market, but something similar to a market, somewhere where there are many people from all over the world. 
the Holy Spirit moves upon them and they begin preaching the Gospel in a tongue that transcends language. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they all heard the words of the apostles in their own language. The Spirit had penetrated those bubbles formed by language, by ethnicity, by nationality. The Spirit had transcended those bubbles, transcending language, transcending culture, transcending class, and speaking to the hearts of all who were present. So powerfully did the Spirit move on that day that we are told that many turned their lives over to the Lord, asking to be baptized. The Holy Spirit burst the bubbles of the apostles and the market that day. The Holy Spirit broke down those old barriers of ethnicity, of religion, of language, and brought the gospel to the peoples of all nations. The Holy Spirit drove the apostles out of their comfort zones in Jerusalem and out into the world beyond them. Beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Rome. The Holy Spirit burst their bubbles and confronted them with the radical gospel of Jesus Christ, bursting their bubbles and changing their hearts. And that same Spirit is still bursting bubbles today, calling us to move outside of our comfort zones and take chances for the sake of the gospel. The Spirit challenges us to step outside of our echo chambers where everybody agrees with us and forces us to take a step back and see the world with new eyes. The Spirit pays no mind to language, no mind to culture, no mind to any other boundary that we would like to try to set up. The Spirit pays no attention to your politics, the Spirit pays no attention to your denomination. The Spirit doesn't care if this is what you're comfortable with. The Spirit doesn't care if this is how we've always done things. The Spirit is only interested in empowering you and in empowering us to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God for that.